So the God of Moses is the God of every disciple of Jesus Christ. And that God does not change. And so we can, we can look at the life of a leader like Moses and we can discover some very significant things about our God. And in this series, what we're going to do is we're, as we're studying the God of Moses, who is the God of every disciple of Jesus, we're going to find that there's different types of hope that we can have. And, and I want you to know, and I'm going to try to say this every week to, to just as a reminder, you and I, having been made in the image of God, we are hardwired for hope. You can't live unless you have hope. Whatever you have hope in, that drives your decisions. You made the decision to be here. At least some of you did. Some of you are forced to be here, and I'm glad they, they required you to be here. That's good. But they have hope that brought you here. They, they, there is hope that got you here. Hope is crucial to life. So when you, when you think about your hope, you, you need to be thinking and asking yourself, do I have the right kind of hope? Say, hmm, what do you mean the right kind of hope? Well, you got to know there's some hope that's not living. It's not eternal. And sooner or later, it's going to fail. Some of you sit here today and you're disappointed. Some of you are afraid. Some of you have anger. And that happens when your hope is not in Jesus Christ. Because your hope failed you. We just sang, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. If you have a hope that defines you, that is the basis for, for your faith, that's going to disappoint you. So you have an object of your faith, which it drives your hope. And if the object of your faith is not Jesus Christ, you're going to be disappointed, you're going to get angry, and you're going to worry, and you're going to be afraid. What I'm hoping that you're going to see, that we're going to see as we, as we study hope, is that we see the different kinds of hope that are found in Christ alone. Today what we're going to see is that there's a divine hope that comes as we fulfill God's purpose for our life. And, and Moses had a purpose. God had a purpose for Moses' life. And by the way, it wasn't easy. And you need to understand, if you are going to fulfill God's purpose for your life, it is not going to be easy. You're going to struggle with internal battles. You're going to struggle with your flesh. And by the way, there's a whole host of demons who hate you, that want to kill you, and want to dishonor God with you. This is not going to be easy. But here's what you can know. The Lord is going to prepare you for every battle. The Lord is going to be with you in every battle. The Lord always prepares us. The, the, Lord, the Lord has designed our lives to go through what he wants us to go through for a purpose. And, and that purpose is his purpose, and he's going to develop us and prepare us. I love what D.L. Moody said about Moses. He said he spent the first 40 years thinking he was somebody, 40 years learning he was nobody, and 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody. This is the guy we're studying, all right? And his God is our God. And, and this is what God does. Study, if you will. Go back and look at all the different leaders 
that God has raised up and used, they've all gone through a desert experience. At 40, Moses entered into a desert experience so that he would be ready for what God had to do with him next. When Jesus was baptized, the very first thing that happens to him is the Spirit drives him into the desert. Paul, the apostle, he is saved. He gets driven into a desert reason 14 to 15 years. God works through desert times in the lives of his children. This is a part of his purpose. And all of this is to teach us we cannot by ourselves accomplish God's purpose. It's too big, it's too hard, and we don't have the strength or the capacity to do it. That is God's plan. He wants to teach us that we must depend on him. So understand, God's purpose for your life, it's bigger than you. You can't do it, but God can. God can and God will if you will trust in him. God can do it. If you've ever received a letter from me, you, you've probably had a, a scripture attached to my signature. It's one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible, Luke 18, 27. Jesus said this, what is impossible with man is possible with God. God wants to teach us that what we can't do, he can. And so he's going to allow us to go into difficult, desert-like experiences where we learn to depend on him. It's in those moments when we say, God, I can't do it. I don't have the strength. I am weak. In that moment, you've never been stronger. Paul said that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. But he, Jesus, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Talking to a young lady this morning, said, thank you for that verse because I can't handle this. I feel worried, I feel stressed. Why is that? And I said, it's because you're trusting in something other than the God of the Bible. And whatever you're trusting in doesn't have the strength. If it's you or if it's a certain circumstance that has to be in order for you to be okay, you're trusting in that. You've got to get your eyes off of that. Get your eyes on Jesus and understand he is the God who can do all things according to his purpose you got to believe that. And we're going to learn to believe that as we, as we look at, at God's word together. Because as we understand God's purpose and as we pursue it, it's there that we find divine hope. Let's look at, let's look at Moses' purpose. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. Again, a reminder, we're covering four chapters this morning. No way I'm going to get all the good stuff that's there. you got to go back and unearth it for yourself. But let's go to uh, Exodus chapter 3. Elizabeth, come on up. She's going to read for us verses 10 through 12. There, she's on this side this time. All right, let's all stand together in honor of God's word. This is Moses' purpose given uh, by God to him. Uh, Exodus chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. Go for it, sweet girl. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God on this mountain. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. If you would go ahead and be seated. Thank you, Elizabeth. Well done. 
So we've got some folks that are about to enter into an adventure. It, the, the children are about to go to school. And I'm, I'm, I'm particularly mindful of those who are about to enter kindergarten or college. Because it's tough. It's, it's not just tough on the, on the children, it's tough on the parents, right? Because as parents, here's what you know. I'm leaving my baby, right? Well, here's what you can do. You can look back at other people who've experienced the same thing and, and, and have been able to make it through. You know, I can remember being upset when I dropped my kids off, at, when I dropped them off at college. Now it's like, hey, I got other things to do. Do good. <laughs> right? Off we go. But you, you go through these things and you learn these things. And, and as a parent, here's what you know is that, is that you can't make your children's choices for them. But you really want to. Am I the only parent? Are there other parents that feel like that? Yeah, you want to make these choices. And see, I don't know if you heard about this, but I have been applying regularly to be the fourth member of the Trinity. <laughs> Got no response on that. Because I think I know. I think I know what's right. I think I know. And God keeps saying, that's hilarious that he thinks he knows. So funny. He loves it every time I apply. It's funny because you know what? We don't have a clue. And you know what? We, we can't, we're not omniscient. We can't be there. But you know what? Our Father never leaves us. See, that's our hope. That's the divine hope is that we always have the presence of God. Hebrews 13, 5 says, don't count on money. He said, understand, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a promise of God. Matthew uh, 28, 19 through 20, the Great Commission. He says, all authority has been given unto me, uh, and, and now go and make disciples, baptizing them in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I commanded you. And you can do that. Why? Because I am with you always to the end of the age. God never leaves his children. God is always with his people. And as we are fulfilling God's divine purpose, we experience this divine hope. Now, there's certain things you got to have. There's certain things that you've got to experience. There's certain things that, that are required for those who serve God's purpose and who, who have this divine hope. Moses had them. We need them. Let's understand what they are. First, serving God's purpose with divine hope, it requires his rescue, God's rescue. Let's make sure we understand the context. Go back now to chapter 1 of Exodus 1. Just flip back. Look at, look at uh, verse 16. Here we understand the context of, Mer of Moses' birth. In, chapter, in verse 16, chapter 1, Pharaoh has told the midwives, kill all the male children. Kill them. The midwives fear God more than they do Pharaoh, as they should, and they don't. And so now there's an abundance of Hebrew males. And so the Pharaoh creates a government program and says, okay, this is now a national issue. Kill all the male babies. Look in verse 22. He tells them, this is, I want the nation to do this. The devil hates us. He wants to murder every one of us. He especially hates males. He hates all image bearers, but he's terrified of males. Why, why was the devil working to kill these male children? There's something significant going on, on here that, that there was a great, there is a great fear in the heart of the devil. On the day he was cursed, on the day that, that 
that Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden. He cursed woman, he cursed man, but he also cursed the snake, he cursed the devil. And look at the curse. This is Genesis chapter three, verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. So there's going to be offspring. There's going to be children born to Adam and Eve. And then he speaks, he, a male, shall bruise your head. He's gonna destroy you and you shall bruise his heel. Satan was looking for the Messiah. He was looking for the male leader that God was going to raise up to save his people. And so he knows the only way I can, I can overcome is I've got to kill every one of those male babies. The same thing happened when Jesus was born. Do you remember this? Matthew chapter 2, verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and, and in all that region who were two years or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Why? Because he knew the curse. He knew that God was going to raise up a man who would completely defeat him. So he's killing all these babies. And there's, there's bloodthirst in the devil. And, and he created this opportunity, this, uh, this way. But it wasn't enough. He, he needed something national. It wasn't enough in the United States of America that Roe versus Wade would, would come about so that there could be the destruction and the killing of babies. That wasn't enough. No, no, he wanted it to be a national thing. So Planned Parenthood has come along. And now every one of us in this room that pay taxes, we pay for babies to be murdered. God forgive us. This is what the devil does. He, he hates us. He wants to kill every one of us. He especially hates male leadership. And he wants to do everything he can to destroy male leadership. He wanted to destroy the Messiah, this man who would come. And this is the world in which Moses is born. This is, the, this is how Moses came about. And he had to be rescued. Now, there's no denying the power and the providence of God that saved Moses. It was the power of God that gave him godly parents. It was the providence of God that allowed the Nile River to steer that, that baby in that basket to the daughter of Pharaoh, who happened to be bathing at that time, who happened to show compassion for this child, even though her father said, by law, kill him. It wasn't, it wasn't happen chance. It was providence that the daughter, the sister of Moses was there to say, hey, I know someone who can nurse that baby and that Moses' own mother was allowed to nurse and care for him until he became of age. It was God's providence that allowed him to be educated in the greatest schools in the world at that time, to learn war, to learn leadership, to learn languages. Moses was prepared by the providence of God. Here's what you and I need to know. If we are saved today, it's because of the power and the providence of God. Three Circles tells us that God's design has been flawed and broken because of sin. We've all experienced brokenness, and I want, to, I want you to know something. God knew it before the foundation of the world, what you would do and what would be done to you, but here's the good news. He's not abandoned you. Christ has come. If you will repent, that is, stop trusting in yourself and trust in Christ, you can pursue and recover God's design. You can be rescued, and if you're gonna know God's purpose and if you're gonna experience divine hope, well, it requires his rescue. Secondly, it requires our dependence. We have to depend on God. You see verses 11, actually through 23, you know, you see Moses here, and uh, specifically in verses 11 through 16, chapter two, look at this. He wants to do it his way. He now knows God's purpose. 
Somehow he has sensed it, and, and rather than doing it God's way, he kills an Egyptian. That was not God's way. That was not God's will. Moses wanted to do it his way. So what's the result? Moses has to go to the desert. That's what God does. He disciplines his children. He gets us to that place where we trust in him. Some of you are in the desert right now. Some of you are about to enter into the desert. Some of you are coming out of a desert experience. Understand, that is under the providence and the power of God for your good. Speaking to a businessman this week, and he said, I'm very concerned about what's going on in our, in our country. I said, what's going on? He said, people are making a lot of money. I said, what's wrong with that? He said, well, you watch. There are gonna be so many people who are now making money they're gonna step away from church, they're gonna step away from God, there's gonna be more people buying boats and going to the lake, more people taking vacations and getting away from God, people getting away from being with God's family because they're gonna be worshiping the dollar. Friends, I'm gonna tell you something, we've gotta learn as the children of God to discipline ourselves. You gotta be in the word, you gotta be in prayer, you gotta be in accountability. There's nothing wrong with money, there's nothing wrong with nice things unless they're your God and they are a terrible God. We've got to learn to trust the one true God. And if we don't, we shouldn't be surprised if the Lord disciplines us. Look what it says in Hebrews. Hebrews says, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the dis discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when, he re when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and, and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is, is, is there whom his father does not discipline? Hebrews 12, 5 through 7. If you disobey God, if you are truly his child, he's going to discipline you. He's going to bring consequences on your life that make you understand you must depend on God. You must depend on God. And as you depend on God, you need to be among the remnant who are praying to God. Sometimes you're going to feel like you're the only one. You're not. Kids, there are students at school that love Jesus too. Adults, there are other adults who love Jesus too that are maybe in a tough situation like you. Pray, pray for revival, pray with them. Look at, look at verse 22, look what the people are doing. They're praying, they're depending on God. They're, 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 they're reaching out and they're reaching up to God. I'm sorry, verse 23, there's always a remnant praying. Make sure you're among that remnant that is in dependence on God, asking for him to revive and to renew and to restore. Third thing, serving God's purpose with divine hope requires his perspective. Friends, we've got to see our lives from God's perspective. How do we do that? Well, we, first of all, we understand that God hears us. Look at verse 24. God heard the people's groaning. God, if you are a child of God, God hears your groaning. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us, uh, us with groanings too deep for words. He hears our groans. God knows. He, he hears your groaning. He hears your prayers. And look at the next, next uh, verse uh, 25. He sees. God sees what's going on. God is not blind ever. He sees it all. One of the names of God is, is El Roi. In uh, Genesis chapter 16, Hagar speaks of God this way. So she called the name of the Lord. This is his name. This is his character who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. El Roi. El Roi. For she said, truly here I've seen him who looks after me. He's a God who hears. He's a God who sees. And he is a God, look at verse 24, who has a 
plan for your pain. The people are in bondage in Egypt. And friends, this was no accident. This was the will of God. They'd been in bondage 400 years. This was the plan of God. You say, how do you know that? Scripture tells me. Genesis 15, 13. Then the Lord said to Abram, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. This is 500 years before that verse we just read in verse 24. What you gotta know is that God has a plan for your pain. He's allowing it for a purpose. And that is to get you in on his purpose for your life so that you will experience divine hope. James says that you will have trials of many kinds so that your faith will be strengthened. This is the will of God. You've got to see your pain and your problems from God's perspective. Some of you can see that a little bit as you look back in your life. Just quick show of hands. How many of you have been through a desert experience and found God to be faithful that gets you through? So you're able to see now the way God sees what you're going through now. God already knows the answer. He already knows the outcome. He already knows what he's going to do. And so what we get to do is to say, Lord, I trust you. I'm depending on you. I'm going to see this from, from your perspective. Fourth, serving God's purpose with divine hope. It requires, notice the dual nature of this, his slash our calling. Because our calling is God's calling, and God's calling is our calling. So you see in verses 1 through 10, God is... God is calling Moses, and it's Moses is calling, and the burning bush says, here we go. Here's what you're supposed to do. Now, isn't Moses' response hilarious? You know, here's a burning bush, no, no less, and God's saying, here I am, and he says, okay, here's my purpose, Moses, and, and does Moses say, good, where's the pen? I'll sign up. He says, no, thank you. No, thanks, God. That sounds real great. Go find someone else. I'll be here praying if I have time. Understand something about God's calling. He's not asking. He's not asking. God's call is his call on your life. He's not asking. So there's some of you And his call is for you to suffer through cancer. His call is for you to suffer with a difficult marriage. His call is for you to suffer through difficult parenting with, with difficult children, a difficult boss at work, a difficult situation at school. And I know what some of you are saying. No, thank you. He's not asking, friends. He's calling you to it. Your calling is to trust him and to fulfill his purpose in that calling. It's his calling, it's your calling. And, and if you're gonna experience this divine hope, it requires that, that you understand and receive his, our calling. And also in doing that, it requires his promises. So serving God's purpose with divine hope requires his promises. So here's Moses saying no. God says, look, yes, you're going to do this. But he says, look, I'm going to make you some promises. Look at verses 11 and 12. He says, look, if you'll do this, 
when you're done, you're gonna worship me right here on this mountain, this very spot. Isn't that awesome? Look in verse 22, he actually says it. Here's, I am promising you, I will not leave you in Egypt. I'm gonna bring you through. I'm gonna bring you out. How does God know this? Because he's God, because he is all powerful, because he has the plan, and we can, we can hold his promises. Disciples of Jesus, I wanna give you six promises. I would love to unpack them. I put them on social media this morning. Don't worry about writing them down. Just listen to them and believe them. Six promises. We are sealed in grace by the Holy Spirit. Nothing's gonna change that. Nothing can separate us from his love. Not death, no, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing can take us out of his hands. God's hands are too strong. Number four, he has the plan for our life. Ephesians 2.10 says, he prepared it before you were born. He's created you for the work, and you are his workmanship to accomplish his purpose. He is working all things for good. Everything that's happening, there's a plan, there's an intention, and it's good. You're suffering. Even in your suffering, there's good in it. He will come again and take us home. So I know some of you are suffering right now. I know some of you are worried. I know some of you are angry. Some of you are disappointed. In light of number six there, remember, this world's not your home. Let me, let me, let me encourage you to do something. Go today and read Psalm 90. And in the middle, there's something about the length of life, and I want you to write next to it, this world is not my home, hallelujah. And draw strength from that promise right there in, in Psalm 90, and be encouraged to know that God is at work. And he's provided you his providential care, but also even physical things. This is the last point. He's provided you things that you can, you can in, a, in a horizontal way, real life, real world way, see. See, serving God's purpose with divine hope requires his gifts. So you look at verses one through 17 of Exodus four, what were the two gifts God gave him? Moses is making all these excuses, I can't, bother. he says, take your staff and do the miraculous. Take your brother Aaron and do the miraculous. God has gifted you. Everybody in this room, you've been given gifts. Use them for the glory of God, for the miraculous. In my Jeep last week, I was driving, and I had some people in the, in the Jeep with me, and out of nowhere, this rather loud, loud beep came up. Now, I have a 15-year-old Jeep, and so it doesn't have a lot of bells and whistles. So whenever there's a beep, it's concerning. And so someone asked if the, if the Jeep was about to blow up because of the sound of the beep. And I assured them we were all safe. And so they wanted to know, what is that noise? What, what's going on? And I, I pointed and I said, I'm, I'm low on gas. It's the only thing that beeps on the Jeep. <laughs> When I'm low on gas, it beeps. Here's what I know. Some of you are low on hope. And here's what I'm praying. There's been an internal beep by the Holy Spirit going off the whole way. Saying, you're not trusting in God. You're trusting in you. 
you're low on hope. You're, you're gonna run out. You're gonna break down on the side of the road. You gotta change. You gotta make this right. You gotta stop relying on you. You've got to rely on the God of, the, of Moses who is the same God who will save you and provide for you. The object of your faith will define the strength of your hope. Everybody in this room has some hope. But if your hope is not built on Jesus' blood and righteousness, your hope will fail. In Christ alone. And so I want to encourage you this morning to ask yourself a real simple question. Am I trusting in Jesus or am I trusting, and then fill in the blank. Because some of you are afraid and you're discouraged and you keep praying to God and saying, God, I need you to do this. I need this in order for me not to be afraid. I need this in order for my life to go the way it's supposed to be. If the, if the this, that that blank is not Jesus Christ, it's an idol. Some of you have been praying for God to give you comfort and other things that will make you less dependent upon God. Stop. The Lord loves you too much to give you something that will not sustain you. He has given us his son. And he is calling us to rely on him. And until you do, you will never have hope. Living, enduring, eternal hope. So I want to invite you this morning to ask God to forgive you and to give you hope, divine hope. Let's stand together as we pray. Father, I know the, uh, the alarms were going off in my life this week as I was preparing this and thinking through my responses to people and things in my own life this week. Lord, unless our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, we, we, are, we are doomed. I pray for any today who have, they've been given eyes that can see and the courage to believe that they would, they would come and say, Lord, help me. I'm about to enter the desert. I'm in the midst of the desert. I'm coming out of the desert. I want to follow you. I want to trust you. I need you. You're my hope. Come and pray.